This mini lecture is about timeout. It's a very common technique. It is a behavioral technique um, used in many classrooms and many schools. It works. It's highly effective if it's done right. And what I want to talk about today is what it is, what it's good for, and how to do it right. So here's our presentation about timeout. All right, here's my clock coming up. Timeout. First of all, it interrupts a behavioral chain or pattern for the child. Many kids, and in fact some adults, get wound up. That's the term we'll use. Oh, he is so wound up. Uh, other terms, wired, whatever. We get into behavioral patterns. We get into uh, chains of behavior. We're just being bad, bad, bad. We're all hyper. We're worked up. Nah, 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 nah. Timeout is very effective in interrupting that behavioral chain for an, uh, uh, a child, and in fact, it's pretty good for an adult. If you get going sometime, give yourself a timeout. Say, whoa, go to your bedroom, shut the door, take a timeout. It can be very effective. It also allows everyone time to calm down. Uh, the child is driving you crazy, uh, really bugging other students in the classroom or siblings in the home. It gives everybody time to calm down, take a deep breath, get rid of some of that negative energy in the air, get yourself settled down. Time out also gives a child thinking time. Very good for kids. Some teachers with timeout and some parents will use a little thinking sheet for kids who are capable of, of reading and writing a little bit. And it will ask questions like, the child fills in answers to questions like, what did you do? Uh, what classroom rule did you break? What can you do next time to be more successful to not have this problem arise? Whatever. Just little questions to get the kid to think. Um, in the home, uh, you may send the child to the room, especially if there's not anything fun to do there, and do the same sort of thing. You go to your room and you think about this. Timeout removes the child from positive reinforcement for undesirable behavior. Now that's your attention as the adult, the teacher, or the parent in the situation. Others' attention, the uh, fellow students, siblings in the home, and it removes the child from social interaction and stimulation. So it is kind of aversive without being extremely cruel. It just cuts off that social connection, uh, no attention, no social interaction. Now, the place for timeout has to be quiet. In a classroom, this is often difficult to arrange, but many teachers will, for example, set up a corner where the child goes. Uh, they may use a carol so that there, you know, there's something around the kid. Put him in a place that is quiet. It must be safe. Um, teachers and schools have gotten in a lot of trouble for trying to have kids put in places like the boiler room. It has to be safe. It has to be helpful. No boiler room, no closets. You can't lock the kid in a closet. Someplace quiet, safe, helpful, and supervised. 
Again, you can't put a child for timeout in the empty classroom next door with nobody to watch him or her and think you can just shut the door. The child has to be supervised. It must also be boring. For example, if you put me in that classroom next door and you tell me to stay in a seat, well, assuming even if I comply, I've got a window to look out, I can see the contractors building the new gymnasium next door, I can see the cars and the traffic going by, uh, I can listen to the birds singing. It must be someplace, some situation that is really, really boring, has a minimum of stimulation. Again, within a classroom, when a teacher doesn't have an alternate place to send the child, a corner, uh, turn the kid around. Dennis the Menace's mama always puts him in his little rocking chair in the corner, facing the corner, okay? So quiet, safe, helpful, supervised, and very, very boring. Uh, the back corner of the room, turned around, carol, something, no stuff to get into, no visual stimulation, or as little as possible. The child may be able to hear what's going on in the classroom, but he's still removed from it, and he's still not participating in it. So you want the right place for timeout. Now, boring. Alone. You don't put two kids in timeout at the same time. If you need multiple places for timeout, you're going to have to set up multiple corners or spots or whatever, not, uh, not with each other in a way that they can interact. No toys. Now, Dennis the Menace's mom always let him have his, lets him have his teddy bear, and I think that's okay because while Dennis is sitting there, he can, you know, he can tell his troubles to his teddy bear, and he can, you know, he can weep softly into the, into the teddy bear. But basically, no toys. You put me in timeout and let me have my purse. I'll clean it out, okay, and rearrange it and reorganize it. No toys, nothing to fiddle with, nothing to do. No fun stuff, uh, like you don't put the kid in the back corner of your room uh, right next to the toy box, or with an older kid right next to uh, your plants so he can uh, break them and fool around with them and poke holes in them. No, nothing fun. Uh, don't put the kid next to a computer, nothing he can, he can interact with. No talk, no listen, no see. Remember, it's got to be boring, just as little stimulation as possible. No academic work. Uh, again, some people will put uh, kids into uh, something. They'll call it timeout work, and they'll assign them to do homework or extra work. If there is academic work involved, it's not timeout. It's something else. Um, it may be what is frequently called in-school suspension. In-school suspension, by the way, should have basically the same rules at t as timeout, except that you also do academic work. You read, you work on your homework, you work on class assignments to make up for the classes that you're missing. But other than that, in-school suspension should be quiet, no interaction, uh, really, really boring. Okay? But it's not timeout. It's something else. No academic work. You need a set time for timeout, or you put the kid in timeout and forget he's there. Uh, 
Uh, and I recommend that teachers use a timer, either uh, get a wristwatch that has a, a timer that's easy to use, or just get a plain old kitchen timer that you uh, turn and it ticks down. Um, you can get them anywhere. They're very inexpensive, and they have other uses, too. Timer, stopwatch, wristwatch, something. Use a timer so you don't forget the kid. Now, here's something that I have uh, changed a little bit. I, in the past, have told people, don't try to use timeout with children younger than two years. Uh, just don't do it. I have seen it used effectively in the home with children who are about a year uh, to two years old. It can be used with children uh, in that range. What it takes is consistent supervision, uh, gentle but thorough teaching, and monitoring. Little bitties you can communicate that when you've done something wrong, you go to the end of the hall, and the hall's kind of dim, and you sit on the floor with your back against the wall for just a few, you know, until I tell you, you can come loose, uh, you know, come back and hug and kiss your mommy and whatever. If, if it's a struggle, if the child just won't get the message, just won't comply, then don't try to force kids under two years old to use timeout. I have seen some preschool teachers use sort of a mini kind of timeout with, with kids in that age range where they, they ask the child to just put his head down on the carpet for just a little bit, and then they say, okay, and the kid gets up and, and he goes off. Something else you can use with babies is when they are being persistently inappropriate, pick them up. Hold them. Um, often you can hold a baby with his face turned outward away from you so that he doesn't get reinforcement from proximity to your face and your facial expressions. Pick him up, hold him, remove him from the situation, whatever it is he's, he's into, like trying to harass the cat. Carry him around while you do things with the other arms. Uh, the other arm, caretakers all, you know, are, learn to multitask. And basically just ignore the baby. He kicks, he screams, he fusses, whatever. Just haul him around. When he settles down, put him back down. Watch him. If he heads right back for the scene of the crime, whatever it was he was into, try picking him up and carrying him around again, ignoring him, uh, Eventually, you may just have to separate him from the situation, but use something other than formal timeout if you're not going to be successful in teaching the little bitty guy how to do that. Now, for kids between, let's say, about 5 to 10, uh, 5 to 10 minutes, the rule you hear very commonly is about a minute a year, but when you get over 10 minutes, I wouldn't do it. So five to ten minutes, somewhere in there, put the kid in timeout and set your timer. A minute a year, up to about ten minutes. Five minutes feels good to me. It's long enough to break that behavioral chain. It's long enough for everybody to settle down. But in the classroom, it doesn't take the kid out of instruction for a long period of time. 
So about five minutes, two to five minutes, five to ten minutes. Over age 10, stick with about 10 minutes and no more than 15 minutes. Now, of course, if you have a child who seems to need longer to settle down, uh, might be a child with some, some behavioral disorder, okay, then use 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it takes for that kid to decompress and settle down. But basically, don't put him out of instruction more than you have to to be effective, get him to calm down. 10 minutes, no more than 15. Ignore tantrums. If you put a kid in timeout and he has a tantrum, you got to ignore it. Now, if he runs away, refuses to go to timeout, you've got some other problems, uh, and you may you may need a course in special education. You may need to work with kids with some some behavior disorders. But basically, if the kid just flops down and screams and yells and pouts and all of that, ignore it. No tantrums. No apologies. Don't tell a child you're sorry. I'm sorry I have to put you in time out, but you chose to. No, you're not sorry. Um, you have these rules, and he violated one of them, and he knew there were consequences, and he knew that time out is, is a frequent consequence for breaking the rules, and so he has to go to time out. No muss, no fuss, and you remember, no anger. Okay, no big deal. You broke the rule you go to timeout. So no apologies. No anger. Eh, you broke the rule. Go to timeout. Very matter of fact, very calm. And again, these are persistent themes throughout our course. Calm, clear, firm, no anger, matter of fact, and no backing down. If this is the rule, child broke the rule, or otherwise behave inappropriately. Sometimes kids will do things you hadn't thought to cover in your roles. And he knows he behaved inappropriately. Timeout is the natural consequence, and you need to follow through. No backing down. All right. Here's a quotation from a child psychologist named Peter Wilson, and it's really important. It tells you what timeout is really really all about. When kids misbehave, don't get mad. Get boring. And that's what timeout is all about. 